An Analysis of the Wasteland by Terence Oberst, with an introduction and five lectures, copyrighted by Terence Oberst. My name is Terence Oberst. I received my undergraduate degree from UNL and my MA in Creative Writing in 1993. I facilitated a bi-monthly writing workshop at the S Street Community Center for the past 15 years. I've published several books of poetry. I will try to be your guide through one of the more difficult texts in all of English poetry, T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland. I've prepared five lectures on it approximately four to 50 minutes long. I hope I can help you through the rocky shoals that this text presents. The first thing we need to consider is the date of publication. The Wasteland was published in 1922, three years after World War I had finished, but the war overshadows the Wasteland. Eliot's note to what the Thunder said in Section 5 depict the chaos and consternation, quote, and decay of Eastern Europe after World War I. It's emblazoned by a quote from Hesse, that quote being in German, the translation of this chaos is, Where are those hooded hordes swarming over endless plains, stumbling in the cracked earth? Another instance of World War I throwing its shadow over the wasteland is found at the end of the first section, Burial of the Dead, where Eliot juxtaposes the present tense calling out to Stenson, which is his term for every man, with the sea battle of Melee, just opposing it with the sea battle of Melee, fought in 260 BC between Rome and her chief rival, Carthage. The casual way the name Stenson flows into, quote, you who were with me at the ships of Melee, is Elliot making the point about the absurdity and pointlessness of this ancient sea battle to a modern man, Stenson. To extend this somewhat further, the absurdity and pointlessness of all war, including the one which was just concluded in 1919. And then we go to the middle of the fifth section, what the thunder said, the reference to the falling towers, those being the dissolution of nearly all the major centers of civilization from antiquity to the present, Jerusalem, Athens, Alexandria, or to quote Yeats, old civilizations put to the sword, and in more modern times, Vienna, which was at one point the cultural and political center of Europe, and then to London, still reading from a war that killed nearly a third of its young men in the conflagration. And finally, from the game of chess, the second section, the quote is, we are in the rat's alley where the dead men lost their bones. Rats Alley is slang for the trenches out of which so much of World War I was fought. It even coined the term trench warfare. And quote, where the dead men lost their bones is probably a reference to those men who lost their limbs, their bones, due to explosives. Again, here is the chaos and consternation. Quote, the present decay of Eastern Europe after World War I. The next thing I'd like to consider is the epigraph to the wasteland. Originally, it was from Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. 
where Kurtz looks into the abyss of his own soul, dying of malaria, and passes judgment. The horror, the horror, he says. But Pound, as he is well known to do in this particular text, had Eliot changed it to the legend of the Kamena Sibyl uh, by the Satyricon of Petronius. The Sibyl was a beautiful young woman who Apollo desired very much. And in order to give up her favors, he had to grant her one wish. And that wish was eternal life. But she forgot to ask for eternal youth. So as the millenniums went by, she became tinier and tinier, till finally she was put in a bottle. When any of her acolytes would address her, she would say, I want to die. This, I think, is a manifestation of the terror experience of the void at the center of Western consciousness itself and will be developed later. Now I want to look as Pound as editor of The Wasteland. His contribution is incalculable. He excised one half of Eliot's original manuscript. When Eliot was recuperating from a mental breakdown at Lucy Margaret Sands in 1919, Pound notes that he had some 19 pages of something extraordinary. As Dante to Arnaud Daniel, the provincial Italian poet, he so admired, Il Miglio Fabro, which means the better craftsman. So did in like manner, Eliot notes the huge impact of Pound's editing of the manuscript had been. I dedicate the poem to him. Quote the better craftsman, Il Miglio Fabro. Now I'd like to talk about the modality of the wasteland. Well, the Wasteland is a text that is formed in many fragments. The first section, Burial of the Dead, that we're going to look at, has three large fragments. From April is the cruelest month to the scene in the garden between the two young lovers. From Madame Sosostris and her tarot readings to a crowd flowing over London Bridge to the ending of the first section, quoting Baudelaire's La Lecture. Within these are other fragments within the original three such as the children staying at the archdukes, the writs that clutch Ecclesiastes, Stenson's discovery, all are added, all are much the same. So it seems to me that the mode of the poem is established or documented quite well. Eliot will make a statement and follow that statement with an ironic twist, or perhaps even its opposite. He might do this with a line of the text, and the illusion he cites to augment it. And finally, perhaps, both opposites contained in one line. This modality is repeated again and again. On it hinges the unity of the wasteland. And finally, the enigmatic phrase, quote, he do the police in different voices. It's only found at the very top of the section of the burial of the dead and the section of the chess game parts one and two, and that's all it's found. But as Helen Vendler notes in her essay on the wasteland in The Ocean, the Bird, and the Scholar, Eliot had thought of calling the poem, quote, he do the police in different voices. A quotation from chapter 16 of Dickens's Our Mutual Friend, in which old Betty Hidgen says of her adopted foundling Sloppy, Quote, I do love a newspaper. You mightn't think it, but Sloppy is a beautiful reader of a newspaper. He do the police in different voices. 
She means as sloppy reads out of the transcripts of the court trials in full dramatic fashion, taking on a different voice for each of the participants. So, a point may be made, what Eliot is getting at, is that there is a single consciousness behind the poem that manifests itself in different speakers or voices. Quote, he do the police in different voices. Remember, Bendler said that he thought about titling his poem that, The Wasteland. But my opinion, I think this is not correct. I tried to uh, trace what these voices and speakers might be and found all of them too discordant, too distant from one another, too separate and too difficult to pin down as an exhibition of one consciousness. Although Eliot's note to the fire sermon about the blind prophet Theresius seems to indicate something similar, and we will examine this later when we reach that section of the poem. Also, I tend to side with the new criticism of the 60s and early 70s that the author's intention or meaning of the text is not necessarily that of the text itself. One has to work with the substance of the poem, not the poet's admitted intention. So, let us begin our journey. There will be times when I skip a line, perhaps even several, in hope of a kind of condensation of the text in general. <laughs> 